I said, we're in the middle of a series called Hearts on Fire and we've been thinking about what that looks like over the last few weeks. And what we mean by hearts on fire is what, what, what are we really driven by? What is it that grabs us and drives us forward? What is it that is the core of us? And we've been thinking about that over the last couple of weeks, about what is the core of us and what's hearts on fire for us, for Jesus. We've been thinking about what it is to be on the new road with him. We've been thinking about what it is to have a new identity in him. Thinking about what it is to love each other in him. And we've been thinking about what it is to use our gifts for him. And we've been thinking about what it is to seek to see others come to know him as well. And this week we're on about Hearts on Fire for Generosity. And we're going to be talking about giving. As I said before, if you're the first, if you've visited here today and maybe the first service you've been to us, you'll be thinking, ah, that's right, that's all they ever talk about at church. They just want your money. That's what they're on about. Show me the money. Uh, maybe you've been up late at night and you've been skimming through the channels and you've come across some of those televangelists that's saying, send in your money, send in your money and blessings will flow back to you. Send it to me. I know that some people have said before to me that, uh, you know, the church is just all about, they just want your money, don't they? Well, hopefully you think, man, I've turned up at the wrong place, I'm on the wrong channel, please, you're gonna, don't, don't hit mute, okay? Hold on to your channel for the moment. Don't turn off uh, because hopefully today what we'll see as we look through the Bible and what the Bible has to say about giving, it may give you a different perspective on giving. Uh, we're going to be thinking about what it looks like in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 are probably the two best chapters and the longest section that the Bible speaks about giving. And so if you want to understand what the Bible talks about giving, what God understands of giving, particularly financially, these are probably the two best chapters to look at. You can see snippets around the place, but these two chapters is where you'll get probably the most intense and I think probably the best guidelines in relation to it. Uh, 2 Corinthians is a book written by a guy called Paul. He's got a great name. And uh, he was writing to the Corinthian church and that church had been going through some really tough times. And uh, what had happened a number of years ago, they'd... Uh, rung in on the telly uh, when they calling for gifts and so forth. The, what do they call it when they do the telly things on? Telethon. Telethon. There was a telethon given for Jerusalem. Uh, you see, Jerusalem had had a pretty tough time and a lot of people who become Christians and followers of Jesus lost their jobs. Uh, they were ostracised. So they were really struggling financially in Jerusalem. And so there was a call put out. The telethon was sent out and the Corinthian church had rung up and they'd pledged to give money to Jerusalem. Well, it seems like they might have rung up and not sent the money yet. Uh, they'd promised it, but it hadn't quite come in yet. So Paul writes to them to encourage to give, to give what they've promised. And so that's the context of 2 Corinthians. And so as we read 2 Corinthians and look at it together, keep that in the background, and that'll help us to see what Paul is saying in regards to how they should give and then encourage us on how we can give as well. Uh, today we're going to look at the first nine verses of chapter 8, but I'd really encourage you to keep your Bibles open. So if you've got a Bible, or there's one in front in the pews in front of you, grab them, open them up, because we're going to look at verses 1 to 9 uh, specifically, but then we're going to move right into chapter 9 as well. I'm going to touch on a couple of places for us throughout this morning on that. Uh, Ronnie's going to read for us. He's going to come up and read the first one for us. Uh, he's going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. So if you grab a Bible and open up and have a look, uh, sometimes it'll be on the screen for you, so that might be helpful as well. 
Yes, <coughs> as Paul said, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in, his rich, in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part, that just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Right, we're going to jump uh, a little bit down into verse 9 to start with uh, because verse 9 is really what holds it all together and is the key to the whole of the passage and the key to our understanding of giving in general. It's a, it's a great verse. If you want to learn a verse and have it in your memory, this is a really good one to have in your memory. Those of you who remember George Law, he was a lovely older gentleman who was our elder for many, many years. This was his favourite verse. It's great, isn't it? For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. You see, before we can even understand about giving, we need to understand that God gave to us first. And God gave us many, many things. We could look at the world around us and just see how amazing it is and the beauty of it, and we say God is amazing that he gave that to us. We can walk down to the beach today and look at that surf and go, wow, how good is that? Uh, but not only did he do that, he did even more than that. He gave us Jesus, who had everything, who was with the Father, who had all power, or glory, or majesty, everything you could possibly imagine, and gave all of that up, to come and live amongst us, to die for us, so that we could become rich. Uh, this is a, a guy called King Abdullah. He's from uh, Jordan. And a number of years ago, in 1999, he actually decided that he needed to get out of uh, his castle, in a sense, where he lived, and get out into the streets and find out what was happening on the ground. And so he did. He got dressed up in normal clothes and uh, went out into the streets of Jordan and he took a film crew with him and went down into a particular suburb and uh, pretended that they were filming 
this suburb. And in it, the people were talking about what was going on around the town and complaining about what was happening and talking about how the king really should be doing this and doing that. And that really, you know, you can go into these places, into these businesses, and they've got 40 officials in there, but you can never get served. It's hopeless. This kingdom is terrible. Well, uh, he went home after that and changed a few things. He came in, he changed, came out of his kingdom, came into the ordinary society, dressed up like them to try and help their society become better. Well, Jesus did far more than that, didn't he? He didn't just come from a kingdom here, but he came from heaven, from beside the Father to live with us. And he came and died rose again so that we could have life eternal. And that's what he means by rich. He doesn't mean financially rich. He means that we become spiritually rich. We have an eternity with him forever. He gave up all of that so that you and I could have everything. The blessings of being with him for eternity. He gave up all that. Now that's why he sang that song, our Highest Place, a little while ago from Philippians chapter 2. How... Jesus gave up all that he had, the privileges he had to come and live amongst us, for us. He did it so that we could be in eternal relationship with the Father forever. That's what he means to be rich. That's what real richness is, is to have that. And that's the blessing that it brings to us. And that's what we need to have behind any concept we have of giving at all, be it financially, be it material, be it whatever, is to realise that Jesus has given up all that for us so that we can have all of it in return. In Romans chapter 8 it says that we inherit all that he has in eternity. That is a phenomenal thing, isn't it? We get to be like Jesus in eternity with him, a blessed son, a blessed daughter, forever. It's amazing that he's done that for us. And so our hearts should be on fire for generosity because of what God has done for us. Not out of guilt, not out of shame, not out of think I can pay God back, not out of I think that I need to give because that's what I'm supposed to give, but out of a generosity knowing how much God has given to us first. That is the way that we are to give. It's to do with a heart attitude, nothing to do with an imposed amount or regulation. It's a big difference, isn't it? So often I think people think, well, we've got to give because God tells us, not just because God gives, but I've got to give this because I have to give a set amount because that's what I've been told to give. No, there's no set amount. It's out of the generosity of our heart because of the generosity that God has given to us first in Jesus. And so what Paul does is he goes back in the first part of chapter 8 and he gives an example of people who are like this. He talks about the Macedonians who had far less than anyone we could possibly imagine and what they did. And so have a look back in verse 1 to 5. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Listen to this. In the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, these guys aren't just poor, extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Well, I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That is a striking sentence, isn't it? These guys had nothing. It was like they had nothing in their cupboards, but yet out of their nothing they still gave whatever they could. They were as poor as house mice. They were even poorer. But yet they decided that 
because of God's generosity to them, they're going to give back in generosity and give it to the Jerusalem church who need it as well. That's startling, isn't it? So often I think about when I'm giving, I give out of how much I've got. And I think, well, I've got a little bit of this left over, I can give out of that. No, 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 these guys gave, they didn't even have that. They gave what they didn't have in a sense. They gave, they were putting themselves even, even further down the track to give to the work of God because they understand what God had done for them. You see, Christian giving is not measured in quantity but in sacrifice. That's a challenge for us in our very materialistic world, isn't it? In our very affluent world. I don't know whether any of us, I know personally, I do not know what it's like to give out of nothing. I can't remember the last time that I gave to the point where it was a real sacrifice to me. To the point where I really had to give up something for the sake of giving this away. Now I can't speak for you, but it's a challenge for me. What point in time have I decided that I really do need to give up something so that someone else who needs it even more, I can give to them? Did you see what these guys did too? Look what they did there in verse 4. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of giving. Sorry guys, I do not remember the last time anyone came up and begged me, can I give more? Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen anyone come to you and look, please just tell me someone I can give to, I want to give away money. Never, is it? These people pleaded, they said, please, we want to give money. God has given us so much, I want to give it away. Please give me opportunities to give. Find me opportunities to give. Can I give anywhere else? It's amazing, isn't it? It's a challenge, isn't it? When was the last time you thought, I I need to find somewhere to give my money away to? Most of the time we're saying, I need to find ways in which I can keep money so I can get something. We plan that, don't we? We work out how we can plan it so I can get my next TV, my next trip, my next car, my next whatever it may be. We're good at that. When have we been good about pleading to give? It's a challenge, isn't it? Because these, these guys did this out of overflowing joy. This wasn't a sense that they thought, oh, I'm under duress here, I'm under compulsion here to do this. They were overflowing joy. Why? Because they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. See, they had understood what it is to receive grace they didn't deserve from Jesus. The generosity that God has shown to them Welled up and overflowed in joy of their being generous to others. That's a great challenge for us, isn't it? As we understand how much God has given to us, does it overflow in joy in us seeking the privilege to give? When was the last time you thought about that? You see, giving ultimately is to do with our heart and it's a spiritual issue and it comes down to our understanding of what Jesus has done for us ultimately. That's what this is saying, isn't it? Their joy, their pleading to give comes out of their understanding that Jesus gave up his riches, became poor so that we could become rich. 
if you're struggling to give, if you're struggling to understand how much you are to give, well, delve into Jesus. Seek to find out more about the grace that he has given to you. Spend some time to contemplate the phenomenal aspect that the God of the universe, who is in ultimate power authority, has everything at his feet, decides to come down and dwell amongst us and experience the brokenness in our prayer time. We felt that brokenness, didn't we, in our prayer time? Jesus, who was with the Father, who was in perfection, who didn't have to have experience that in a sense, couldn't see it, but didn't have to experience it, actually comes in and experiences that and lives that for you and I. That's how generous he is to us. And Paul's saying to the Jerusalem, to the Corinthians, and he's saying to us this morning, these Macedonians are a great example, aren't they, of a generous heart. They've understood it. And they're wanting to give generously because of it. You see, hearts on fire for generosity are hearts on fire for Jesus. It's a spiritual issue. You see, giving ultimately is a spiritual issue. It's not a law. It's not that the church makes you. It's not because someone puts behind you and sticks a, a bag in front of you. It's not because someone says you need to have envelopes. It's not because you've pledged something. It's because of your heart. Because your understanding of Jesus and the generosity has shown to you that you want to be generous in response to that. Well, generous giving. What does generous giving look like? Well, Paul goes on in the rest from chapter 8 through to chapter 9 and gives us some really good guidelines of what generous giving giving looks like. And, And he uses a number of words. Now I'm going to sort of go through it and pick out a couple for you. I'll highlight them for you. Feel free to go home and reread that and check it and see whether I'm right or not. And I'm not going to pick up everything that Paul says here either, but I'm going to try and bring down to seven things for us uh, that will help us, I pray, in regards to us becoming generous givers as well. Uh, the first one is that uh, Paul says to them to excel in the grace of giving. He says that in verse 7, doesn't he? What he says to them is, look, these guys are great at faith, at love, at knowledge, at all these other things, all these gifts that God has given them. And then he says to them, as you excel in these, we'll excel in giving as well. When was the last time you prayed to God and said, Lord, please help me to have the grace and the gift to excel in giving? I don't do it, do we? We ask for gifts in a whole lot of other areas. We may be gifts of speaking, gifts of tongues, gifts of uh, generosity, gifts of, gifts of all these different things, gifts of, gifts of faith, gifts of teaching, gifts of, you know, we all sort of think, Paul is saying here that one of the great gifts that we can have is to excel in giving, in the grace of giving. Uh, we like to excel in lots of things, don't we? Excel in sport, excel in education, excel in being nice, excel in having a great house, excel in having a wonderful garden. And none of those are particularly bad, by the way. Paul's not saying don't do those things, but he's saying, but excel in the grace of giving as well. Be known for people who are generous in their giving. I don't know whether you've ever known anyone who's really generous in their giving and what they've done, but if you do, it is a wonderful thing to see. It is a fantastic trait to see in someone. And it really encourages when you see people being generous, doesn't it? It does. It warms your heart. You think, how good is that when you see it? Well, Paul encourages you and I to excel in it. 
not average, it's not mediocre, it's not just maybe possibly do okay at this. He says, excel at it. Be the best at it, at being generous in our giving. And he says it's about willingness. It's not out of duress. It's not out of guilt. It's being willing to give. That's a funny one, isn't it? She's willing to give your money away. We, everything around us says almost the opposite, doesn't it? It says to hoard it, to keep it, to invest it, to make sure you've got a nest egg, to make sure you've got all this sorted out, make sure you've got everything for your retirement, make sure everything's all good for the end. Whereas Paul says we need to be willing to give it away. Look what he says there in verses 10 downwards. He says, Now to finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. It's a great passage, isn't it? You see, God, again, you notice that if you read all through chapters 8 and 9, you'll never see a figure set. You'll never see an amount mentioned. You'll never see something that you've got to hit a bar. It's all about attitude and generosity. It's a change, isn't it? We often think, well, we need to set the bar. We need to know where we're going. No, this is actually saying that no, we need to just be becoming more and more understanding of what Jesus has done for us and then we become more and more willing to give it away. It's an attitude, not a law that he's talking about here. It's a willingness to give. And it's not to be manipulative, it's not to be emotionally driven, but it comes out of a joy within. I'm willing to give what's there. I've been reading a book by, um, about a guy called Hudson Taylor. He was one of the early missionaries into China in the mid-1800s uh, with China Inland Mission. And he became the biggest missionary organisation in the world, I think, at some point in time. And it was amazing number of missionaries that they had. You know, he was the one that founded it and started off and he used to go back to England because it was based out of England and he'd go back and he'd speak at different places and he'd speak to raise money uh, but not so much to raise money but to raise the profile and tell people what was happening in China and at the end of every time he spoke he never ever asked for people to give there and then. And when people wanted to do that, so he used to go with, I don't know whether you've heard of Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, but he was an amazing preacher in that time frame. A very popular, very big church. Martin Lloyd-Jones got up after Hudson Taylor spoke. He says, now, ladies and gentlemen, you need to give towards the mission in China. And Hudson Taylor actually got up and told him to sit down. He says, no, I don't ask for that. It's not on emotion. I don't want people just to think I need this money now and they've been pushed into it. I want them to go home. I want them to pray about it. I want them to think about it and I want them to be willing and convicted by God that this is what we should be doing. It's a different sense, isn't it, to some of the ones we see these days and the complaints that people have about churches. When they keep saying, we need your money, you give it now, this is what you want. You give 10%, you give whatever it is, you give this, this, this and this and we'll be good. And they keep pumping it and keep pushing it. But Hudson Taylor says, no, because it's about attitude. It's about what's happening on the inside. Paul says it's about willingness to give, not under compulsion, not under being put into pressure on, not under emotional blackmail or pushing us in the direction, but willingness to give. And out of what, he says, doesn't he, uh, out of according to your means. 
Now, remember the Macedonians? They went way the extreme, didn't they? They went right out there and in their, what they didn't have. Paul is saying here, you need to think about what your means is and you're able to give out of that. I think what he means by means is everything that comes into us. Often I think I give out of what I've got left over. So I think about what I've got, my budget, set it up, got this much left over, now I can give out of that. I think what Paul is saying to this is we need to be thinking about giving out of everything that comes our way because everything comes from God. It's all his in the first place. When you think about giving out of everything that we have, not just out of what is left over that we have. Uh, some guys, people would know this guy. His name's Rick Warren. Uh, we've done Purpose Driven Church here before in the past. And Rick runs a church in uh, America called Saddleback. It's twenty to 30,000 people involved in that church. It's pretty big. And because of his writing and because of the number of things that he's done, uh, he actually gets a whole lot of money in return back for that. Uh, so he actually could be a very, very rich man. Now what Rick Warren has decided to do though, since he's been publishing all this material and he's been getting money because of that, he's actually paid back every cent the church ever gave him to support him to be missed. He's given that all back to them. And now he's also decided that because of what he gets, he now lives off 10% of what he gets and gives 90% away. Lives off 10%, gives 90% away. How good's that? It's not what you see often about the big evangelists, do you? They've got their nice cars and their big houses. He actually says, no, he lives in the same little house he's always had. It's a three-bedroom place, I think. It's just simple and straightforward. Uh, And he gives everything else away. He can live on the 10% quite comfortably. He gives the rest away. He lives by the motto of living simply, giving generously. It's a great little one, isn't it? Living simply, giving generously. Because he knows what Jesus has done for him, doesn't he? He lives simply, he gives generously. And the Bible tells us that we need to be deliberate about our giving as well. Uh, So if you go to chapter 9, verse 7, it says this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, it's this sense that it's part of understanding who we are in Jesus, understanding what God has given to us. We actually sit down and we deliberately think through what we can give. We don't just turn up on church on Sunday and think, oh, the plate's about to come round. Oh, man, I hope I've got less than $50 in my wallet because otherwise I'm going to have to give all of that. It's a deliberate thinking and saying, okay, I'm coming. I deliberately think this is what I can give. I bring it and I give it. Or if you give direct debit, like many of us do, we sit down, we think about it, we pray about it, talk about it with our our husbands or our wives and our families, and we sit down and we decide this is what we can give. According to the means that God gives to us, this is what we can give back to him. So it's a deliberate sense as well. It's actually thinking it through and deliberately doing it. And he also says that he loves a cheerful giver. That's one of those things you often think would be on a... Uh, like you have at home on a little doily or on your something you wash up your dishes with. There it is, a cheerful giver. Uh, maybe we should have it emblazoned across our wallets and our purses or on our, on our bank site, maybe. It's not just a fluffy little thing. It's a cheerful giver. What God is saying is joy for us to give. It's like the Macedonians. 
who were just pleading to give because God had given them so much. It's being joyous in what we give. God doesn't want us thinking, oh man, I've got to give again. Oh, get it out. Oh, oh, I wish they wouldn't bring that plate round. Oh man, they told me I've got to give. Now I've got to go on the website and I've got to set it all up and get it organised and I've got to plug it all in. Man, this is a pain. Oh, I really want to just... Nah. No, joyful, cheerful. Man, I want to give. How good is it God's given to me? Oh, I'm going to go home. I'm going to sit down in the community. I'm going to love this. I'm going to set it up. I'm going to get it organised. I'm going to punch it in. And then I'm going to go, praise God. Thank you for allowing me to give. Or maybe not quite over the top like that. But the idea is that God has given us so much. It's a joy to be able to give back. And then he talks about sowing and reaping. And now this has been one of the most misinterpreted passages in the history of the Christian church. Um, they take this passage and what we had last week too, the sowing and reaping we saw last week as well, uh, that uh, people have said, well, you give $1 and then God will give you back far more. You'll end up with $100. Give one and you'll get 100 back. So $1, you'll get 100 back. Garbage, sorry. It's not what the passage says at all. The passage says that we are so, yes, we sow goodness. We heard that last week, didn't we? We sow goodness into lives and we reap goodness back in that sense. We sow by giving generously, we make more generous. We sow good, we reap more goodness. We get more opportunities to do good, he says. Maybe. Did I touch something on that thing? There it is. Look what he says. And God is able to bless us abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, will abound in every good work. That's what the reaping is. You'll gain even more good opportunities to do that. And he says, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and righteousness endures forever. What's righteousness that goes on? And now he supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Righteousness is not money. Righteousness is what Jesus is, isn't it? It's his character, it's his life, it's what he is like. That is what we reap when we sow. When we sow goodness, when we give generously, we reap to be more like Jesus, more like him. That is what we grow to be more like. And that is far better and far greater than any monetary return you can get, is to become like him. That's what we are to sow. If we sow generously, we will reap to be able to do more of that and to become more like Jesus and to be more generous and sow more good and continue it on. That's what it's about there. So whenever you hear those televangelists that tell you, sometimes we wouldn't mind that, will we? If I give one dollar to God, man, I wouldn't mind a hundred back. It'd be nice. But that's what it's not well, that's not what it's about. You see. It's about being generous. If you read that passage, if you read from chapter 8 through to chapter 9, the word that you will hear the most and read the most is generous, generosity, being generous, being generosity. They showed their generosity. They were generous. They continue to be generous. And what is generous? Up there you can see the quote. It says the generous is free in giving or sharing or unselfish or open-handed. I think that is a great picture, isn't it? Generous is this, I give. The opposite is this, I hold. We're like that, aren't we? 
We need to be this. We need to be open-handed with all that God has given us. Be that financially, be that other things. Next week we're going to be thinking about generous in a whole lot of aspects. But today we're thinking about generous in what we give financially to the work of the Lord. What we give to those who are in need. What we give to those that are struggling. Now you notice in this passage it doesn't tell you exactly what you have to give to. It doesn't tell you exactly what to give to or how much you're supposed to give but it tells us that we are to be generous in what we give. And we see throughout the Bible that we're to be generous in giving to the work of the gospel, to see the gospel grow. We're to be generous to the poor and the weak and those that suffer injustice. Where we see need, we are to give. Where we see gospel work, we are to give. We're open and generous in that. We have an old saying at our house, it's good to be generous. That's what this passage is telling us, isn't it? Because so much of the world is telling us the opposite. It's all about you. It's all about what you can get. It's all about what you can keep. It's all about what you can save. It's all about what you can invest in. It's all about what you can get. Whereas the Bible says it's all about having our open hands and giving. It's far better to bless to be giving than to getting, isn't it? And it's wonderful when you see people who do that and it's wonderful when you do it yourself. So much better when you see that you give is makes a difference and impacts and changes and does stuff. Changes people's lives by what we give rather than holding and keeping for ourselves. So you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see, the ultimate in all of this is that God will be praised. In your individual giving, in our corporate giving, as we as a whole family of God give generously and are generous people, the aim of all of that is that God will be praised. That people will praise God because of that. You see, we show God's greatest measure when he is our greatest treasure. And that's seen on the ground when we're generous people. People don't praise God when they see us hoarding and keeping and gaining and holding stuff for ourselves. People do praise God when they see us generously giving, handing out over there, seeking to help over here, living simply and giving generously. People say there's something different about that. that that's transformative. That is different to the world. When people see us being uh, willingly excelling in, give, in giving, willingly giving, deliberately giving, cheerfully giving, joyfully giving, generously giving, they praise God because of it. And that's ultimately what we all want and desire. So can I encourage you uh, to be generous givers, guys. To excel in the grace of giving. To be willing. To be deliberate. To be cheerful and joyful. And to be generous in how we give what God has given to us. All because of Jesus. We're going to be looking at our budget a little bit later. But again, it's not, a, it's, you know, 
so often, there's a big difference. When you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Old Testament is about law and external, and they use the word tithe and 10% and so forth. You do not hear the word tithe anywhere in the New Testament. Why is that? Because Jesus changed it from law to grace, from external to heart from place upon guilt and so forth to this is a desire that wells up within us because of the generosity of God to us through Jesus. So it's far greater than that. It's a lot easier to say, well, I'll put a figure on it. If I give 10%, I'm right with God. He says, no, it's bigger than that, guys. It's far bigger than that. This is about your life. This is about everything. This is not just about 10%. This is 100%. This is a whole of you, not just part of you. It gives us huge freedom so we can be as generous as we possibly can to excel in the gift of giving. I pray that for myself and I pray that for you as well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, sometimes it's really easy when we say I can give a set figure when I can put down to just this and I'm okay if I do that. But Lord, you're not, you're not happy with okay. Lord, you desire everything, all of us, our heart, everything for you, Lord. Because Lord, we can't just do little things. You have done it all for us in Jesus. We need to just trust and live generous lives for him in response to what you've done for us. Lord, help us to go home from here today and to pray and ask you to work in our hearts, Lord, to change our hearts to be generous hearts, to deal with the sin, Lord, that maybe have built up, to deal with the blockages that we may have had about that, to deal with the logs in our own eyes, Lord, so that we can see you clearly, so that we can see to give to you everything, Lord so that we're able to be generous in all that we have. Lord, may we be people who are transformed by your spirit within us, Lord, to be generous givers in every way. To the praise of your glory, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.